Coming up on today's show. If you start having so many issues where it feels like it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. Broadcasting live from the middle of America. Welcome to the Oklahoma Real Estate Show, covering local market data, news, and reports to arm you with information you need to empower your investing and strengthen your American rights. Top realtor, investor, father, and veteran. Here is your host, Landon Witt. Welcome to episode 118 of the Oklahoma Real Estate Show. On today's show, it's tips you need to know about new flips in Oklahoma City. I talk with Stephanie Parr, a realtor and investor here about her latest flip. It kind of was a little bit of a disaster there, but we have some great takeaways for you on what to do and what to not do as we go into 2023 flipping your home. Thank you so much, Landon, for having me. I'm excited to to tell your um, audience just kind of everything about the flip, what we learned, um, what what we would do again, what we wouldn't do again. So, yeah, I'm an open book when it comes to that. I feel like there's always a lot to learn from other people, and um, you know, so definitely ask me all the questions. Excellent, excellent. So. The time frame on this thing is kind of wonky. Like it, it does seem like it's a little bit longer than usual. And, and, and I want to get your thoughts on what happened there. So the original list date of the, of the property you acquired was listed in MLS uh, August 14th of 2021. And it spent 119 days on the market. Um, I think it was at 340000 was the initial price. You identified that property that it had a lot of potential to be able to buy it, add value to the property, and then sell the property. So you put it, you ended up getting it under contract at 295 and take it from there. Yeah. So um, we had recently done another flip just down the street from this um, within really a couple blocks. Um, so we did one on 31st Street and it was just um, just a couple blocks over. And it was very similar architecture style, year build. It also had the detached uh, garage apartment, which is very popular. Um, as soon as I saw this one on MLS, um, I told my husband, who is also my business partner, we, you know, we do everything together in that aspect. I said, I think this is our next flip and we had to go see it um we are very cautious about like when we purchase a home making sure that we take our time to purchase the right one so we had been looking 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 and i don't know how i hadn't seen this one yet i think maybe i was looking um in a lower price point because typically when you buy when we're looking for flips we're looking you know sub 200 um to acquire it and so this one was over that but it had based on the numbers that I was very familiar with, um, being that we were just a couple streets over, I was like, oh, wow, this has a lot of potential um, based on the numbers. So, um, and it also backed up to a park. It backed up to Memorial Park, which is very desirable. Most people, you know, don't want neighbors behind them. And those typically um, parks add a lot of value to a property. So um, we went to go look at it. It was like, yes, this is it. Um, We had the vision when we walked in by we walked into the what was the kitchen and what was the dining room and i looked over and my husband said i already know what you're gonna say he's like i need to call the plumber don't i 
because we were going to, he already knew I was going to want to move the kitchen from the current location to the adjacent room. Because um, if you look at the pictures on MLS, you know, the, the kitchen, it's huge. It's like a huge wraparound kitchen with all the windows. And before it was a very, very small space for the size of home because yet again, the main home was 2,400 square feet. I was like, this is going to be a family home. Like this kitchen would not, this is not going to to suffice for the modern family. <laughs> so, so I was like, we got to do something about this. Um, so yeah, we we negotiated for several days actually with the sellers because, you know, they were really stuck on, um, sorry, Oops. on their price point as well, which I understand you always want to get the most for your home. And we did buy it in the height of the market. So I was gonna say, we bought it. Certainly helped. It, it helped them, you know, at that time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but also with it being Fridays on market, we saw the opportunity of, well, maybe they want to, maybe they're, they're just wanting to let it go at this point. So, um, we were able to get it down to 295. Um, and then this is where the real fun starts. So we had used a lender that we worked with several times, um, prior to, and on a flip, uh, usually we can close in about two weeks. It's almost the same as, uh, as a cash buy it's um so they fund within a several days after having an appraisal come in well um and i should also this is a very important aspect the listing agent of the home was also an appraiser so she understood you know the arv side obviously she couldn't do the appraisal because it would have been a conflict of interest but um she understood the issues that we were going through because she knew how busy appraisers were in the height of that market um However, you know, I never want to say, oh, it's it's this one thing that maybe if this would have happened this way, everything else would have worked out. That's not a good way to look at a project. It's it's the overall and there's lots of contributing factors that that go into the success of the overall project. But the timeline, um, if everything had gone right with that initial appraisal, would have cut out at least three months of reno time because we would have been able to start on it sooner start on at the very beginning of the year and list it over the summer before the rates went up you know doubled (laughs) almost overnight so um when we got the appraisal the first one um by the time we were done with uh, when we went to go close there were four appraisers that had touched the file and um i have never seen anything like it the listing agent had never seen anything like it um the first one probably was the hardest thing because as you know i you we we acquired it at 295 well this appraiser came in and gave it an arv value of 265 after we had factored putting in over a hundred thousand dollars into it right and so we were looking at this appraisal and i was like these are not even rented comps that he's used for this house um i have this in my notes he showed up at the wrong house initially to do the appraisal um he didn't (laughs) um he i think he was a little frustrated but i mean he had the right address he just showed up at the wrong house and um, no. he also uh did not go through the proper channel to schedule the appraisal so he called me as the buyer instead of uh the listing agent which is you know 101 a no-no like you call the listing agent um and he called only i want to say an hour and a half before he gonna go out and do the appraisal so neither had 
time to meet him on site, even if it was her or me to go through the reno budget or anything like that. So he sent it in. Um, obviously, the ARV value was under the contract price. At so sure. we we're saying we're going to wow. put hundred thousand dollars into it at two ninety five, but he he valued it at two sixty five, and the lender that we were using at that point was like, well, because they're out of state, and they're like, well. We have this licensed appraiser saying it's worth only this. There's really not much else we can do. So I was like, well, I know that that's not true because we literally just sold one a block away. Right. And we were comping it, you know, way above that. So um, we actually ended up switching lenders who promised a much shorter turnaround time. They were like being closest in 10 days. So appraisal delays, the total delay was how many, what was the time between getting under contract and closing? 75 days. And but yeah. you got the ARB and it's showing you're going to buy at 295. It's going to be worth 580 when you're done, which is a 200 and what, $90,000 split? Yeah. Or 285, yeah, $285,000 split. You're thinking the rent, the rehab is going to cost 100, you said? Yeah, approximately a hundred. Um, you know, I think obviously when you get in there and sometimes you look at things and you might go over budget on something or under budget on another, it's, you know, we try to stick as close to the the budget as possible. But, mm -hmm. um, my husband, he does all of the finished trim carpentry. And so that saves us a lot of money where we're not having to pay a cabinet shop. We're not having to pay a, a finished trim carpenter. He does a lot of the demo himself. We contract out everything that needs to be um, permitted and that requires a license to do the job. And also, um, he doesn't like to do tiles. So we hire that out too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We so, all, we've all got our, our things we like to do and not do. I, I hate painting. That's that. Yeah. Uh, so does he, he said, he said, I don't like to paint and I don't like the tile, but I'll do everything. Else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. So, so you start the renovation in February, I'm assuming. Yeah. As soon as we close on it. Okay. As soon as you closed, you began the renovation. How long does that take? So we started as soon as we closed on it. We finished um, in, in September. So by the end of, it was like, I think we listed it September 23rd. And uh, the last like week of that is staging the property and getting it ready. Um, so we had it on the market. And truthfully, the renovation of the house was very smooth. Like there weren't any hiccups during the project where it's like, oh, we didn't know that or you know what I mean? It was, it was very straightforward. Um, but it was just, it was crazy. Um, once we got it under contract, it was like, that's where almost the issue started coming back in. Um, because it was a very hard home to buy almost. And then it was a very, very hard home to sell, but the reno was very easy. Which was a seven month process. Did I hear that right? Six and a half months. Yeah, close to seven. Yeah. What was the total renovation cost? Would have been end up being? 110 into it. What percentage of the renovation do you feel like you guys did yourself? Oh, 40, 40% was done. Yeah, because we hire out all the electric, all the plumbing, the tile and the paint, the roof. Um, my husband does the demo and we do like all the planning design. Mm -hmm. um, landscaping, um, cleanup, any of those things. Um, okay. so I'd say probably 40% is, is what we do. So if somebody had to do that same job remotely, you would think that it would be like 40% higher. Would you say that that would be accurate? It would be maybe be more like mm -hmm. one, 150, 160. 
Oh, at least because um, I mean, demo, uh, unless, you know, you just hire, you know, demo companies, they're actually quite expensive if you actually price them out um, and then finish trim work and cabinetry. That is a large um, ticket item, um, especially for the amount that we did. So, yes, um, it definitely saved us a lot doing it ourselves. Okay. So and that's how we were. 110 uh, renovation is what you guys spent, but maybe someone who was out of state would have spent probably 150, 160. Yeah. We get on the market in September. Talk to us about that. You, you decide to list at the ARV appraisal that you got before, correct? Yes. Okay. And we had we had several showing on 580, it. 580, for those that missed that part. So you right. came on the market at 580. We had, um, yes, we listed it in September. Um, we got an offer pretty soon after we listed it. And it was a, um, it was a cash buyer. So we were excited about that. Um, it went through inspections, but you know, they, I feel like as the market shifted um, and rates went up, it buyers became, well, obviously your buyer pool is less whenever the rates double overnight, almost. Um, so when we purchased it, you know, rates were in the low threes uh, for conventional FHA. Um, and when we listed it, they were mid sevens. So that cuts out a huge portion of your buyers because they can almost afford half of what they were previously able to afford. Right. Um, and I also think at that price point, buyers become a lot more picky um, mm. about what they are getting in a house rightfully. So I understand that, you know, buying a home at that price. And so there were, um, I, I think in hindsight, there were things that we should have done on the house that we did not do because we did not have to do them previously on other homes. So I think we should have replaced the HVAC. Um, it was the heater was older and that was something that came up several times. Um, you know, buyer, it was it was feedback that we kept getting. And at that point, we we're like, well, it's kind of too late to do that. We are finishing the project. The project's listed. So um we had that feedback. Um, I'm trying to think. The house had previously uh, had some foundation work done to it because it had a full unfinished basement. And so us being very well versed in older historic homes, we understand that the house is over 100 years old. There's probably been settlement over those years. Now, does that mean that the house is still moving and that the house is going to cave in? No. Uh, it doesn't. It just means that the house has had movement over the last 120 years. Sure. And uh, we had a foundation company come in and say everything looks great. Um, you know, like I think under the porch, there were some peers that they're like, well, you know, technically an inspector might call that out if they saw it. It's not really a, a structural issue. So you're you're OK with it. And so we were like, OK, awesome. Like we have somebody we have a foundation company who is here telling us that it doesn't need work and that everything was done properly like for the main portion of the house um however you know they can see cracks down in the basement that were there previously and so i think maybe not necessarily like hiding those by any means but definitely making them look more aesthetically pleasing to where it's not going to draw a buyer's attention to those things 
and think, oh, there's something wrong with this. Um, because a lot of people were like, does it have foundation problems? Um, uh, why was it on the market? Okay. So well, like, with it being after it's now closed in escrow, we can talk about the dirty details if you're okay with it. So you got a lower offer, all cash offer at the beginning for how much lower than the 580? So it we contracted at 535. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Right. So they came out of the gate saying, as is 535, how many days on market were you at that point? Um, I want to say it was maybe 15. Okay. So you'd gotten past the first two weeks, no offers, decent amount of showings. Yeah, we had we had steady showings, a lot of interest on it. Um, we had great feedback on the design. I mean, like there wasn't really anything. But the news is scary at that point. Back in September, everybody's thinking, you know, anything could have happened at that point. Stocks are, are plummeting. Uh, so you guys decide. And, and at that point, you're still, uh, you had uh, $285,000 in gap between the acquisition and and the ARV uh, selling price, you'd spend 110 in there. So I'm estimating what is that? 150 thousand dollars at closing. Yeah. So then you take the low offer. That puts 100 grand in your pocket at that point, minus closing cost. Right. So you're walking away with 90 grand. Get the deal over with in a very you know kind of turbulent time period. So you decide to right. take that. The buyer comes back and starts picking you over energy efficiency stuff. Yes. Is that correct? Okay. Yep. And that was very frustrating um, because, and and I will say too, they used every single day that they could in their inspection period. And I think as a seller and also right. just, you know, agent to agent, I think, yes, you have those days that you have to negotiate, but if you can communicate quickly and try to do things quickly everyone's time is money in those situations and so it was very frustrating for us because we were just down to the wire on every inspection period trr negotiation period whenever there really wasn't supposed to be a trr negotiation period because it was an as-is purchase right. and so right. it just kind of got the details started getting fuzzy as far as i say fuzzy it just kind of got where it was just a lot of back and forth and, you know, no, we're not doing this. Um, this is what you're going to pay. This is not even part of an inspection report. This is just your preference on the home. And sure. we would be willing to do it after we closed, but we're not going to do, you know, $60,000 worth of mm -hmm. work on the house prior to you closing on it. We could do a contract outside of uh, like a general contract contractor's agreement outside of closing and we'd be more than happy to take care of we you know these items for you so at the end of the day um we were supposed to close i remember it was a tuesday we we're supposed to close i believe at two o'clock and the buyers backed out uh we got a release of contract the morning of so i i didn't even have a phone call um on that it was just i had a release of contract in my inbox so that was just very frustrating and disheartening at that point because we had, in our opinion, done everything we could to move the sale forward. And uh, I think that's only happened to me one other time when I worked for a builder where we had a contract fall through the day of closing and it was just, you know, 
in during the pandemic and uh, for other reasons. So it, at the day of closing, what what had you negotiated at that point that you just reduced the price even further or where what what did you where were we, you guys at at closing? We were going to close it out at the higher sales price at the 580 and we were we had the items listed in the TRR of what okay. were going to be done to the home. Which was about $60,000 in concessions. Yes. Wow. Okay. So. Which put you back to there. So you basically said, I'm going to put you back to, um, what was that? The 535 initial offer, raise us back to the 580 where we should be, and then we'll do all these repairs for Right. You. Right. Interesting. And so, um, you know, and initially they were like fine with closing and us going, you know, because that's that's not uncommon to have some things done after closing if you can't fit it within the time frame. But we, of course, were not going to front all the money uh, and do all those things prior to closing. Title didn't want to escrow the funds. So it was like, really, this is the only way that we're going to do it outside of closing at the original 535 and just doing those things for you after closing with a, a general contractor's agreement. So, um, yeah, it fell through the morning of closing and it was very frustrating, but we were like, Hey, it wasn't meant to be, we'll put it back on the market. So that buyer bounces the day of closing and you're back on the market now. What did you do next? So we, we just moved forward. We had already done a lot of the things preemptively, like the smaller items on the TRR that we're like, well, that might come up in another inspection. So we knocked all of those out. Um, and believe it or not, um, this is this is also the learning part here. So they wanted a new sewer line put in, and we had already had our. Um, granted, there were no cracks in the sewer line or anything. This this is the second. <laughs> this is the second buyer now. The second no, this buyer. is actually this is actually still the first one. So okay, um, one of the things that they wanted was a new sewer line on the property. Um, they had a sewer scope, no big deal. There was, with the basement, the sewer line was almost 15 feet down. So there was oh, wow. a huge drop in the sewer line. Our plumber even said, this will never cause a backup issue because the bellying of the water, which is a term for holding some water, was at the main connection, which was so far away from the home. He said, if you haven't had any issues with this, um, there's no need to really replace it. But that was something that they wanted to do. So we got on his schedule to have it done. And we were like, just there was a miscommunication between uh, my husband and him on when to start. So the day of closing, I drove up to the house or the day of, that we were supposed to close and the yard is dug up. And I just, oh, no. I, I, I looked at my husband and he looked at me. And I said, I was like, you've got to be kidding me because we were still in limbo at that point of if we were actually going to close on it that day. And here we are with the yard totally dug up for really, in our opinion, a repair that we could have spent that money elsewhere where it was really needed. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. <laughs> so I put a line item, added onto the budget. Um, so again, a learning curve on that or a learning lesson on that was make sure that you very clearly communicate to the plumber what day that you want to start the work like that, um, mm -hmm. instead of just leaving it or we can probably start next week, you know? Gotcha. Um, yeah. Wow. One, yeah. So my gosh, so the, so the, at that point you decided to proceed with the repair? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the sewer line was at that point, the yard was dug up, the hole was there. All that they had to do was put in the pipe and backfill it. So it's like, well, no need to stop now. This will at least be a selling point that it has a brand new sewer line. Sure. So we put put it back on the market. Um, we so had, this is October of 2022 now. Is that right? Does that sound about right? This is, this is going into November. It was like the very first of November. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So we're approaching Christmas. It's cold, starting to get cold outside. You've got the sewer line replaced, but the dirt is probably, you know, all all uh, mounded up in the backyard now. Um, yeah. And, and you now are back on the market and you list at what price? What did you decide to list again? So I'm trying to think if we kept it at the 580 and then dropped it again or dropped it. I would have to look at, at what we did because I think we, it was like 569, I want to say, without having MLS pulled up. We did obviously did sell price reduction, so I don't remember the exact increments that we went in. But we, we dropped it a little bit at first just to kind of get some more attention on it. Um, and instead, again, the 580, in my opinion, was a high price. I will admit that. I was shocked that the appraisal came in that high. But if you have an appraisal, I was like, well, let's try it. Why not? We want to get the most that we can. So we kept, we started dropping the price and realistically thinking, you know, we would continue to get buyers. Well, we did get another buyer. We went under contract on Christmas Eve. Um, the agent was great to work with. Um, no, you know, good rapport there. Uh, the buyers were out of state and uh, they had looked at the home one time and they looked at it when it was very, very cold. It was like during that cold spell that we had where, you know, it was like single digit uh, temperature. So it was, you know, they, they were in the home during one of the coldest times of the year. Well, when they did their inspections, um, the appraiser, or sorry, not the appraiser, the inspector came back and suggested that basically the house, the house's windows were subpar for the house because of energy efficiency well yet again an appraiser standpoint for the value of the house does not add value for new windows they don't add value for even new hvac they don't add value for new water heaters those are all just um oh my gosh what am i trying to say there those are all part of home maintenance and so from a value standpoint those things don't necessarily add value to a home. They just might entice a buyer to look at that property because it has all those new features. So we went under contract and then they decided they wanted a price reduction because they wanted to rip out all the walls, put in new insulation, put in new windows. And we had had the home already mostly rewired everything brought up to code everything permitted well the inspector found a knob and tube wire coming from the breaker box but it wasn't powering anything it was just cut off this this is the buyer's home inspector not mm -hmm. not the city inspector okay right this is the second buyer's home inspector okay. second buyer's and inspection and you from what i'm looking at on the mls you were listed at that point at 500 is that that ring a bell? You were listed at five hundred going into Christmas, and then you got under contract. No, we were listed. I want to say at five fifty at that point. Okay. It was it was somewhere in that okay. range. It, okay. Higher. And then okay. 
Yeah. So the inspector points out tube and wiring. I'm I'm guessing this deal busted then in December. Oh gosh. Oh, buyer number two bust. So okay. Wow, this is getting juicy. Okay. All right. So buyer number two. Inspectors talking about tube and wiring. They're upset with the windows. They're upset with the insulation. What happens yeah. next? Well, here's the thing: is we we didn't re- we didn't get the house because we hadn't done that on any of the other ones yet. Again, in the same neighborhood, never had any issues with it. And like, well, it's not necessary. Like the house is it stays warm in the uh, winter and cool in the summer. There's not there's not a need for it. Um, and so they wanted a whole lot more. Uh, off of the asked price, they asked us to, um, they wanted to extend the inspection period until February. So it just started becoming unreasonable asks, in our opinion. Sure. From a from a buyer standpoint and a seller standpoint, I'm like, well, we're not going to hold the house off the market for a 60 day inspection period. And then they wanted. And that was uh that these are these folks are from California. Was that a was that an out of state buyer from California? The 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 second ones were from Texas. Oh, so um, that when you they kept asking for extension, asking for extension. You guys are watching the uncertainty in the market, saying this has gotten ridiculous, and you eventually declined their extension. Is that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it was just they agreed. We're like, this is not going to work. We're sure we the house off the market for two months so you decided to go back on the market yeah so we put it back on the market as soon as that fell through and um that was right around christmas time i think it was just right after christmas when we relisted it and we had a lot of interest because at that point um i want to say we're like we just need to we just need to sell the property like it's it's we're paying interest on it um the loan was going to be due in march the first of march was whenever that loan matured and we're like we don't want to hold on to the property okay yeah your audio kind of cut out there for a second so you didn't want to airbnb it so you decided to go back on the market yeah and because we had looked at doing a cash out refinance and we would have been able to you know get that recoup that money and at least start another project in the meantime but it just i'm very much so a, a gut feeling person and I was like, I just don't think this is the right one for us to hold on to. Um, and it, it, it's a large home. It would have been a large mortgage. I was like, I just, I don't think that's the right way for us to go. So we just need to sell it. Um, and so that's exactly, thankfully the cards fell in place and that's exactly what happened. Um, the buyers did not have a realtor uh, on the third set of buyers. And so they went through me um, it was a very smooth transaction. They were able to close quickly. Um, we did end up selling a lot less than what we intentional or intended to do. But in the end, um, you know, we saved on on agent commission because we didn't have to pay another agent. And um, I was able to see both sides of the transaction and they were very great to work with. So And I see that that was an FHA offer, was it? That was an FHA loan. Okay. Yes. Which you guys were prepared for that because, I mean, you guys were the renovators on it. You knew what you were kind of facing. And, yes. you know, so an FHA, because an FHA is a very, you know, a little bit more stringent appraisal process, a little bit more, yes. um, you know, eyes open there. Did you have any issues with the FHA appraisal on that? So not with the value of the home. Um, he, he actually valued it kind of where I had initially. Um, Which so was what? Again, 
I was I was comping around five hundred. Which is yeah. where you came back on the market for your third when you got the third buyer, you came back on the market at your initial what you had initially thought it was gonna be worth four ninety nine. Yes. You got under contract with that buyer and then and then the there were some repair requests or things because you didn't end up selling it four ninety nine. You sold for lower. Tell me how yes. that happens. Well, so we actually had contracted for less because I was because it we were they had called me and they were like, Hey, we've had our eye on your house. Um, you know, it's a little out of our budget, but would you be willing to um negotiate on the list price? They knew we had already gone down quite a bit on it. And so at that point I'm I'm looking at it, I'm like, Well, we have had we had a ton of showings as soon as I dropped it under five hundred. I mean, I, I wanna say we had twenty showings within a week and a half like we had a touch and but we didn't have any offers on it and so we were just very stumped as to like why have we not received any offers and the feedback was like well they love the home didn't love the area or um just not the right thing for them because it really was an up-and-coming area there were a few homes redone on that same block but you know not all the homes were redone and i think at that price point too buyers were like well I want my home to look like all the other homes in the neighborhood if I'm over that price point. So, mm, sure, sure. Yeah, you never want so to be the. So you're 81. Home. You're 81 days on the market. You get to receive a phone call from a buyer without an agent that says it's above our price point, but we'd like to do. We'd like to what? They said we like to offer what? What did they yeah. offer? They ended up offering um for it, we ended at four sixty three. So they went under contract at 463. Uh, that's what we closed it out at. Um, there weren't any. That's an unusual number. That sounds precise. Was that 463? Where did they come up with that number? They said that's just what they like, what they were able to be approved for. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Max, max approval break. Excellent. So he was like, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't ask questions on that. I was like, okay, well, that's the highest you can go. Um, this is kind of where we stand. And so I was like, if we're going to, obviously we're saving on agent commission because they are working through me. Um, like if you guys are not going to ask for any repairs, um, which I had shared the inspection report with them. So they were able to see what everything about the house, Um, very transparent through everything. And they, they were like, yeah, none of this scares us. Um, you know, we're going to move forward with it. So we didn't do any repairs on, um, and there really wasn't much on there. It was just very, very small stuff at that point. Mm. Uh, we did end up taking on that that knob and tube wire. Um, <laughs> <with the mercury. laughs> yeah, I would like, but yeah. for the last deal, but why it not? Thing the house, like it was just, it was just there. It was just, sure. it seemed to be removed. We ended up closing, but the appraiser did find it was two things on the thing that uh, on his report that were subject to repairs. And that it's funny because I have never had a consistent appraiser pick out the same things on a house. I've never had like the same things being called out. So, um, again, learning curve. Um, There was a little bit of sheetrock in the garage that uh, had been taken down where like the water heater was where they did some uh, replumbing they wanted that to be put back on and then uh, it was like a, a step that had like a loose uh, um, it was like a, a 
part of the stuff was loose going off of the porch. And so now here's what's crazy is whenever I met the appraiser, I said, if we do these, um, if my husband can come out here and get these done today, how soon can you come back out and do the pictures uh, to return in the report? He said, well, he said, truthfully, he said the bank can probably just look past these since they're, he said, a bank can deem any of these items cosmetic and they can close without having any of these requirements done. And so he's like, don't do any of them until you hear back from the bank because they may just dismiss them, which I had never heard before. And so we were kind of fed misinformation from the appraiser at that point Mm -hmm. saying that we didn't need to do them. And so that we lost a few days on that too. But in the end, everything got done and we closed. So excellent. Excellent. Yeah. That was a big closing day. You were probably like nervous up until the check was in your hand I bet. <laughs> yeah well and it was the mail out closing because they had to travel too and so that added you know just an extra step and sure. so it was like we closed on friday funded on monday but yeah so in closing you've done a great job of kind of taking us through that um you know what are the top three things if you had to narrow it down to the top three big lessons learned in this in this flip what would they be? The first thing is if you start having so many issues where it feels like it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. And I kind of mentioned I'm I go I'm a very much so a gut feeling person. And when we start having all those issues with the appraiser, the appraisals, just on the purchase of it, I it deep down I was like maybe this is a sign this is not the right house for us. Um, maybe we should just move on. We have never had issues like this purchasing. It shouldn't be this hard. So um, that was that was one of them. The second one was buyers at that price point, especially in the 500 and over range, they're going to want all new mechanicals. They're going to want new windows, all those things that are energy efficient. They care about <laughs> and they care a lot about. And um, definitely focusing on mechanicals of the house versus just cosmetics um, is going to pay off because there's not going to be anything for an inspector to point out. Um, And then third would be price it um, aggressively rather than on the high side, because then you run into the pitfalls of overpricing. So I think if we were originally priced where I had initially comped it with the numbers that we were familiar with, I think it would have sold very, very, very fast. Excellent. And, and, what did you end up netting on the deal, if you don't mind sharing? Um, I I would rather not disclose that information. Um, and also, I haven't truly added everything up. <laughs> <laughs> there are still some lingering invoices that I have not added to my spreadsheet. But, um, I mean, we we didn't lose money. We definitely didn't make as much as we wanted to. So... Gotcha. And so in hindsight, uh, if you you think if you were to do it over again, you know, because of the appraisal bouncing at the in, initial acquisition, you might just walk away from the deal altogether. But even if you did go through with it, you might ignore the fact that this ARV appraisal was just way higher than what you as as a you know, professional had thought and maybe kind of maybe even split the difference or just listed at what you had before. And you and you think that would have been a slam, a more of a slam dunk, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. They had used uh, comps that were from Crown Heights. And obviously, um, 
Military Park, Central Park is not a historical district. And so mm-hmm. you have to adjust on those whenever you are comping, even finishes on those. You have to adjust for right. Who's the moving across the street? Sure. Right. Sure. Who's, who's there? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, the historical district too has the tax incentives on the renovations when you're doing a huge project. You know, then right. they've got that. Well, this has been fantastic today. Thanks for sharing with me. This is exactly the kind of talk that I, I wish we could do more of. So thanks for coming on the show and sharing uh, your experience uh, flipping this house. Now, do you plan on doing another one or can we expect to see another one coming from you soon? Yes, um, we we will be doing slips. We might start shifting more towards rentals at this point because of the rates. I think um, as the market has kind of slowed, it's a really good time to buy and hold um, because we're able you're able to buy more um, aggressively with less competition. And that's where you want to be when you're buying. So um, we might start instead of doing a flip, I think we might start fully on to those smaller properties. Um, and I think that's where our focus is going to be on uh, just a, a little bit lower price point and less rates change drastic drastically. Sure, sure. So kind of more thinking towards retirement kind of thing, passive income coming in. Okay, awesome. Yeah. And we also remodel for other families as well. So we, you know, we do, we do both. And so it's like, if we find a great house that we feel like there's a great profit margin on, obviously we'll jump on it. But yet again, we want to make sure it's the right one. If someone wants to get a hold of you for your remodeling skills, where, how would they get a hold of you? Um, they can, um, we have an Instagram page and a Facebook page, um, that has our contact info on there, or they can um, shoot me a message through Facebook. Um, you know, obviously I'm just Stephanie Parr on Facebook and uh, it'll say Chamberlain Realty in London Lee Homes, so they can message me through there too. And what's your handle on Instagram? It's just at London Lee Homes. London Lee Homes. All right. Yep. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Stephanie. You have a good rest of your day. <laughs> thanks so much, Landon. You too. Wow, so many lessons learned there on today's episode. I hope you were able to take away some good stuff there. Be encouraged though, as the more we can communicate with each other, the better these flips get, the more we can avoid these huge pitfalls. And in Oklahoma County, there's a lot of flipping to be done. There's estimated 56,000 properties that are sitting vacant right now in Oklahoma County, waiting for someone like you to flip them. If you're ready to get started on your flip, why don't you start the conversation with me? Visit OklahomaRealEstateShow.com. I would love to talk to you about what inventory we have available, get your thoughts, what your passions are, so we can connect a property with you and we can list on the market and you can get started on your flip in 2023. Thanks for watching this episode.